You're listening to the Collab Talk podcast, episode 74 of the MVP Buzz Chat series. In this episode, I'm talking with Office Apps and Services MVP Paul Stork. Hey, this is Christian Buckley with another MVP Buzz Chat, and I'm here this morning with Paul. Hey, Paul, how's it going? Going well, Christian. It's good to see you. I haven't talked to you in a little while. I, I see you're hanging out on the docks. Good for you. Get yeah, some- well, this is, <laughs> is where I wish that I was right now. Um, for Cleveland, which is where I live, it's actually a really strange December day. We're hitting about 60 degrees here today. Uh, <laughs> There's not a lot of oceanfront in uh, Cleveland. Uh, hey, we are, we are the north coast of America. <laughs> we are about the only place in the U.S. that gets to call itself the north coast. Now, that's Lake Erie is the body of water that we're the coast of. But, yeah, we're, we're officially the north coast between us and Canada. Yeah, there, um, that beautiful drive through that area. Uh, finally, I, did a, uh, a, a, I went from Seattle all the way to Portland, Maine with yeah. two of my boys and drove all around and did a bunch of events. And I had never done the coast to coast trip. And we stopped off and visited a number of places that were right along the lake there. Just as a beautiful area. Stayed overnight it's a there. gorgeous drive. If you take the trip, you know, there are roads that go along the lake shore across all the great lakes and it's a great, great ride to take. But the, the background picture is actually from Auckland, New Zealand. Um, oh number of years ago when they did their first SharePoint conference, I was invited to go down and speak down there. And we took an extra week. And it was only after I had agreed to come down and taken all the vacation stuff and booked our flight that we sat back and realized, wait, this is like the first week in July. That's the middle of winter down there. Yeah. Well, now, it's still not that bad, though. In the middle No, of their winter. winter down there is about like it is here today. It's, you know, 40s and 50s. Um, so it's not bad at all, but, uh, it's kind of, it's one of those, it's right now the height of summer. So it's kind of where I wish I was instead of here. It's in one Cleveland. of my favorite destinations. So I go about uh, almost not quite once a year, not more than every other year. So it's, uh, but uh, Paul, why don't you introduce yourself, who you yep. are and what you do, kind of your background. So I am Paul Papanik Stork. Um, I am owner and principal architect of a small consulting firm called Don't Papanic Consulting. Uh, I always joke with the attendees at conferences that I'm at that, you know, the first question I normally get after announcing that is, oh, are you a Douglas Adams fan? And the answer is, yes, I am, but it has nothing to do with the name of the company. Um, Has nothing to do with Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It has instead to do with my middle name, uh, which is my wife's maiden name. We got married back in the 70s and we're both into the women's liberation movement. So we took her middle name, uh, her maiden name is a middle name for both of us, and it's Slovak and pronounced Papanic. And so the name of the company is Don't Papanic Consulting. Um, been a Microsoft MVP for 12 years running now. Um, started out in SharePoint, now in Office what is it? Apps office, and services. Office apps and services. Unless you've gone um, to the development. There's a, there's a few folks that are, you're part of the old school of the, yeah. the early uh, SharePoint MVPs. Some of them have kind of gone over to the office development side yeah. and, or business applications. And I've always been, I'm one of the weird guys that straddles the fence. So I've done development in the past, 
but I've never been a pure developer. I've always kind of straddled the fence between development and, uh, and architecture. And uh, that's kind of what I'm doing now is I'm spending most of my time in Power Apps and um, the application that used to be known as Flow, now called Power Automate. And that's where I'm spending most of my development talents. It's interesting too for people that aren't familiar with the, the Microsoft MVP program to know that so they have those designations and a lot of that like so I'm in Office Apps and Services. I was a SharePoint MVP. I was one of the first, I think, three that we moved over into Office 365 MVPs. And that was only like one year, year and a half, and then yeah. they Office Apps and Services, and then uh, or it was uh, what is it? office servers and something office anyway. office server and services and yeah. then now office apps and services right yeah. so they've kind of, they, yeah. they, they've evolved around that but once you're an mvp in there and it, uh, it certainly there are categories where you're in depth and you're focused on in just that area office apps and services is such a broad oh, yeah. set of products and workloads that are within that and so there's even some the ability once you're an mvp to uh, where you might be 80% of what you focus on, like you know, you and I, we were almost 100% SharePoint focused when we became MVPs, but we're now spread out where SharePoint is just a piece of what we do, maybe a smaller piece yeah. relevant to some of the other things that we're still doing. And so, uh, you know, sometimes maybe office apps and services may, uh, you know, kind of move off into the background and you might be focused more on development type things and and uh, there are some MVPs that will then earn a dual MVP or may kind of uh, switch their allegiance over to this other area. Yeah. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's, it were Microsoft MVPs, but. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I mean, Power Apps and Flow, uh, Power Apps and Power Automator like that, because that's technically not under the office. It's the business application. That's the business right. applications side of the fence. And yet the vast majority of what I do with the products is, build applications to interact with Office 365. So it's right. still right in the middle of what I do. It's just a different group at, at Microsoft. So, um, well, that's, and that's kind of where I wanted to go too. So you're, so you're kind of, you're, you're, you're bridging the gap between those two areas, but you're talking a lot about, um, you know, Power Automator, Microsoft Flow, and, and these, these capabilities and even teaching classes. Why don't you talk about some of that? Yeah, so I'm, I'm actually, I'm in process right now of, have just finished up the courseware for an online or on-premises class on um, advanced Power Apps and Power Automate. And um, we've completely rewritten the class from the ground up, started it in September when we originally got word that Microsoft was modifying the licensing. Because it used to be the classes I used to teach on, on uh, Power Apps and Power Automate would have been classes that covered kind of all of the different licensing models. And so we spent probably half the class dealing with what are now premium data sources like SQL and with model-driven development and so on and so forth. And so what I've done is split that and divided it up into three different classes that we're going to be doing now. Well, four, really. We have an intro class. Um, and then there's an advanced class for Office 365 licensed users, which focuses just on how you use this within the confines where primarily SharePoint and Excel and OneDrive are your data sources. Mm -hmm. And then one that goes heavy into 
premium data sources, like if I've got a license and how do I use the per app model and how do I use the uh, per user model with SQL or with CDS or with some of the other custom connectors, all of those kinds of things. And then a third class that'll focus on um, Dynamics 365 and how you use Power Apps and Power Automate in that. You know, just kind of a side note, Paul, a lot of you, you so probably saw that uh, the survey that uh, I, I ran as part of yep. the European SharePoint conference. And I'll have to send you the, the data set. For those that don't know what we're talking about, so with the changes to the licensing that Paul mentioned, uh, we did a community survey. We had 228 responses. We opened it for just two weeks. We shared the data uh, at some of the, the, the high level uh, over on the European SharePoint conference uh, blog. So if you look up. Saw the, I saw the post on that, yeah. But uh, yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to send you the uh, Power BI and let you dig through the data because the open-ended questions of what people are doing and their reaction to and the, the, and their the impact that they see from the licensing change. Oh yeah. Some interesting data that comes out of this. Yeah. Cause usually, as you know, you ask a, you have a survey, you ask an open-ended question yeah. and generally you have very few responses to this. And I more than well over 50% of the people responded. It was yeah. uh, so some great data that's off that. Well, you might be interested I, in. I spend a lot of time on the, Power Apps and Power, Power Automate forums in the Power Platform forums for Microsoft and um, posted one of the primary pieces on the licensing changes when they were coming up, when they were yep. first announced and uh, have been one of the active participants in the responses to that thread. And I'll be interested to take a look at your data and see if it matches the stuff that I was seeing in those forums. Yeah, and for um, your benefit, I, I sent you the link. I'll have to, I'll link it. off to the, the article in, in the blog post that's associated with this. Yeah. But it's, you know, so one of the things, I, look, my, my feedback to Microsoft on the changes was like, well, obviously they're gonna go in and they're going to adjust the pricing. It's a brand new product, new services, and figuring out how it fits in and, how to, to price it appropriately for you know the the, the cost and based on the, you know the usage, I think Microsoft uh, may have failed in properly setting expectations at the beginning when they released things. I don't well, know one of the yeah one of the big problems that. involved with that was twice in 2019 they didn't introduce new pricing; they changed existing pricing. And um, that's been one of the problems is I, I, you know, they introduced new functionality like um, the artificial intelligence machine uh, learning, um, some of the things now with Flow UI. So there's a lot of new features and functionality. People don't have a problem when licensing gets changed to cover those no fe new features. It's been more of a scream that I hear from people first when they announced that um, that any HTTP REST calls that were made to anything other than SharePoint were going to be premium, that the on-premises gateway was going to be premium just as they released SharePoint 2019 and really hit an on-premises product that would work with Power Apps and Flow. Um, and then the most recent one is when they changed the licensing and pretty much for the Office 365 folks, quadrupled the licensing costs if they used SQL. Um, it, it's those changes well, I mean, but Paul, where they I feel mean, who, the, who, the rug who uses, has been pulled out. Who, who uses SQL? I mean, come on. Yeah, go take a look at the forums. You find out there are a lot of people that use SQL. Um, me included. 
So, but what I've been trying to do in the forums is, is tell people, look, I, I get it. And I don't necessarily disagree with your dissatisfaction with the deal, but I'm seeing a lot of companies that are saying, you know, we're just walking away from the package entirely. We'll go look for something else. A, I'm not convinced that there's something else out there. And, and B, that's throwing something that you do have licensing for away when there's still an awful lot of benefit there. Uh, you can do an awful lot with SharePoint and with Excel without having to get into SQL. Gee, it would be nice if we still had SQL under the general license. We don't. Okay, don't just throw it away. Use what you got and don't pay the extra for the extra stuff if you don't find value there. Yeah, I, and I don't mean to uh, to dwell on that that topic. I know that a couple of Microsoft yeah. people kind of said like, you know, hey, what gives? You know, given this, I said, look, we're just trying to put some empirical data together. Yep. You know, what it is a community survey, so we and then and and get kind of the a, a kind of a community pulse of uh, feedback and, and what people are doing if they they say they are moving away from it. You know, what are they looking at, and you know what what's actually you know, feasible or, or, and then other, we asked another open question of saying, you know, what are some su suggestions that Microsoft could do to make it so it's more, I don't know, cost effective, especially yeah. for SMBs and, and independents. Well, and, and Microsoft did listen to some of that. I don't, sure. I don't want to paint it all with a black brush because, you know, they did come back and say, look, if you've got existing SQL connections, we'll go ahead and cover those at the original price for the next five years. Um, They've given a year of grace on the licensing changes. They've backed off on a lot of the stuff that was announced, but the core well, is still there, and it's, it's, it's well. But that's but that's the point of doing the like the survey and have the conversation, yeah. and it's because Microsoft does listen and yeah. does respond to those things. But we, we there so people, you know, I mean, as you know, you go to people are frustrated. I'm frustrated that this is missing, or or they made this change. It's like, have you gone and posted your feedback? out in the tech community or, yep. uh, or submitted something, uh, you know, a, a feature request. Have you done something? Well, no, it's like, well, yeah, well, we have, we have an active spot. We have a whole forum out in the power platform forum for both power apps and for power automate, um, specifically for people to put in new ideas and then vote them up. It's, it's kind of the, the power platform equivalent to user voice. Right. Um, and Microsoft does look at that stuff and, and some of it they have picked up and added to the roadmap. So it's getting better. Um, there are disappointments and potholes along the road, but that's no reason to just walk away from the product. No, of course not. I, it, I, so it's, uh, and going back, and I know you were there at the MVP summit, which again, for those unfamiliar with the program, it's the annual, you know, it's a benefit of being a, a Microsoft MVP is we all go to once a year, go to Redmond and, we, for a week, we learn, go in depth under NDA. We hear about, you know, new features, things that are upcoming. We provide feedback, kind of all those things. It, so with that, it's like, what was it, four years ago when they did the initial announcement of, I think it was four years ago, yeah. of, uh, of Power Apps and Flow and, and kind of all that. And they did the demo. That was one of the biggest cheers. Like, the, like people oh, yeah. like standing up, people that hadn't seen it before are like, this looks awesome. There was so much excitement behind it. Well, and, it was the uh, excitement that, that the original, every time they came out with advances to SharePoint Designer and to 
you know, the workflow engine that you used in SharePoint Designer that was always met with a lot of enthusiasm. Well, there's a whole total two new products that took it way beyond what SharePoint Designer and, and workflow used to be able to do. So, yeah, and it's it, and it's been amazing to see the community uh, that has just spun up around this. I mean, we're yeah. so I'm on the, uh, uh, the 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 board for the user group, the SharePoint Office 365 user group here in uh, Salt Lake City, and you know we caught wind of um, Power Apps, Power Automate, you know, user group popping up. We're like, well, like, hey, we've got a dozen other user groups. Like, who are these people? Found out they're not associated with any of the other groups that are around there. And, uh, and so of course there, uh, this movement, a, a, a bunch yeah. of us have like gone over and participate, uh, with yep. that user group. So it's, yep. you know, a lot, a lot of passion. I mean, that's a, uh, a, you know, for very quickly to be added as a, a kind of a focus area, yeah. um, as for the, well, MVP and that's, model. and that's one of the downsides to their being under the dynamics 365 umbrella is that it's, it's really somewhat of a split community because there's, a large group that are, you know, Microsoft CRM users or, you know, one of the other Dynamics products. Um, and they have a completely different point of view, completely different needs, have a different way of writing applications. Um, and then there's, you know, probably the larger size of the people using it are the ones that are coming from the Office 365 side of the fence but they're not really on the radar for the dynamics program group. So, you know, it, it's just, it's a strange, strange place and, and some really strange decision-making that sometimes takes place. And a lot of it is because we have these two different audiences that are involved um, and um, hard to, to pull a, a central view between the two of them together because they both have very different needs and wants. You know, you're, you're right. I mean, this is, so this kind of played out where, um, so as you know, like the SharePoint Saturday uh, movement was, was really just, it, the whole concept was stolen from SQL Saturday. Oh yeah. And uh, so we, again, locally here, we heard that there was plans for a Dynamics 365 event and uh, a couple of folks in the user group, our user group president um, was uh, uh you know, got involved and became the president of the Dynamics user group. Yeah, and told it like the the constituency, the, the 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 members there, like, hey, let's do an event. Let's build it on this established model. Let's not go reinvent the wheel. Let's do it just like a SharePoint Saturday. And so it's and it was like a new thing to people. And you think, where have these people been hiding under? They're not aware of the last decade what? of the success of these products. events. And, SQL Saturdays go back even further behind oh, yeah. you know, that. So, yeah, but it's a, yeah, there's a lot that you can leverage. I mean, I learned this experience, Paul, you know, back my, my first startup back in the late nineties where I was going to pitch events and meeting with venture capitalists and, and, and pitching and raising funds and building product and kind of all these different things. Uh, and I learned how much, uh, how I would by the changing the language that I used to, to describe my own company suddenly opened up these other before yeah. that, you know, completely unknown to me, uh, uh, pockets of these like smaller communities, yeah. these micro communities. And it's the same thing within the, the even within the Microsoft ecosystem um, that these groups just aren't aware. They've got the blinders on focused yep. on this technology and aren't paying attention to what's yeah. happening in these yeah. other areas. 
See, and, and I've, I've always been aware of them because going way back when, um, I was actually certified and used to occasionally, because we didn't get them together all that often, I used to teach classes on CRM 1.0 when it first came out, when Microsoft wow. first acquired it. Yep. And have kind of kept my foot in that world because it's always been interesting, but I've never worked for a company that actually did CRM consulting. I did all the internal projects because they all used Microsoft CRM in-house, but I never did uh, consulting for the, well, once. Had one project where I did consulting for the outside world. But in general, my companies never did consulting on the product. They were always more on the, the core Office 365 side of the fence of SharePoint Exchange and Active Directory and all of that stuff and didn't really want to take the jump into a whole new world to go into CRM. So um, I've always kept my foot in and played around with it quite a bit and so forth, but never had the chance to do much in the way of consulting work other than internal projects. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it, it's interesting. So my, my experience, same. I've worked for one company when I left Microsoft uh, and, and went back into industry, uh, went to work for a company that had uh, Dynamics as our, our CRM. And uh, less than a year later, we get acquired and they were Salesforce. Yeah. And so that was the end of that short window, that experience. Yep. However, I mean, my history on the uh, marketing on the system side for you know a dozen companies that I consulted for or was an FTE with going back in the 90s, I always owned all the data and aspects of the CRM platforms. Um, and so CRM really as a categories around, you know, the late nineties, early two thousands yeah. really started to form. Yeah. Um, but all the data, the output of those systems, we go back to 99, 2000, I owned all that, that data. And uh, so started to get involved and understand what else haps, has to happen to build kind of decision support around this, this data. I mean, that's part of what excites me about this category, you know, the power platforms and what, what's happening there is, is really, it's for, for so long, certainly on, as you've seen the evolution happen in the SharePoint side as well, where so much of the, the subject matter expertise is around care and maintenance of the platform. And there was less focus on, well, now that we have the platform actually running, what are we doing with it? Yeah, what are we, what do we do with, with the data? It? Right. And we're, we're entering that world now where organizations are, you know, have that luxury. It's kind of like when you're, when you're broke, when you're, when you're poor and you're just worrying about not being hungry versus you don't have to worry about food. Now, what else can you go and do and start thinking about and focus on yeah. to improve your situation? Well, I mean, um, for, from, from a dynamic side of the fence, a lot of that happened fairly early on with CRM because it was always a product where, where if you just implemented it out of the box, you were going to be disappointed because every single company I've ever worked with, their sales and marketing models are all different. So you have to go in and say, okay, so here's what the software does, but how do we adapt that to do it the way we want to do it? Right. And then what's been happening in more recent years is that they've moved away from that model of just sales and marketing and service and moved more in the direction of, as you mentioned, it, a decision support platform. It's all the analytics that are off. I mean, I, yeah. my first projects go back into uh, 98, 99, and it's a company that worked for 99, 2000, um, was aligning like uh, geographic information systems data, 
um, we were working with uh, the phone company, and so we were trying, and we so we pulled. Uh, there, there was that, that. Remember that time period, the government was starting to release more and more um, um, GIS data yeah. that had been, you know, government secured, proprietary, and been releasing that to uh, to industry. And so the phone companies were getting this stuff. And the difference for people that don't understand too, if, to to understand who our customers are, where they are, the products that they're purchasing, and then want to go dig up their street to move lines or to upgrade. It makes a difference when you're within 20 feet and within two feet of accuracy. Oh yeah. You want to dig up less yeah, street. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what I did was, was uh, drove these projects where we're bringing in all this other data so that you could then have this, these business analysts going through and, uh, you know, and digging through that data and better personalizing the sales and marketing efforts as well as just, you know, the operations of these organizations that I work for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, where I've seen it go, the, the last company that I worked for had actually built in-house off of Dynamics CRM um, a full recruiting platform for hmm. recruiting consultants. You know, Microsoft has come out with their own version of it now, but we actually built our own just from the, the XRM product that sits underneath Dynamics CRM. Um, and you know, instead of having customers, we had candidates and instead of having leads and opportunities, we had, you know, leads in terms of prospective employees and so on and so forth. And it, the model matches, it's just a completely different way of looking at it. It's not selling a product. It's selling your company to somebody as the product when you hire them. But, um, well, that's a great example though, is of that and the, where this, this kind of automation where it became become so powerful is that like you can you can have your CRM, you can capture all that data, you can go and then you know based on the candidates coming in and and pull other information down from social networks, from their LinkedIn profile and such. You can do kind of the keyword analysis. You can then you know uh, different interactions with those users. Yep. At the end of the day, you know to be able to go in and automate as much as possible to score each of those prospective, uh, you know, employees on a, a number of different criteria, whatever it is, you can build kind of a black box for the people coming in the door, black box to them, but automate a lot of that so that the recruiter is not looking through thousands of resumes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But and is and looking through the dozens that are qualified and scored around that. I mean, that is a. And, know, and even taking it beyond that, because you're not just, taking all of that information and holding it up against a single pattern, you're taking it up and holding it up against a movable pattern because you're now matching it to data from the other side of the fence that describes the particular position or the job or, or whatever you're going to put them in. And you're going to have different positions in a company. You're going to have different roles, different jobs. Each one has its own characteristics that you're going to match that candidate against. And so you might have a strong candidate that doesn't match the job that they're applying for. You don't want to hire them. Right. You know, or, or, or you or, want to identify that and figure out what job it, it should be that they're being hired for and get right. them moved there, over into that there's one. There's a lot so of companies they, that do that too. They say like, look, wrong, like good high company hire, wrong position yep. here. Is there another opening that's existing yep. or coming up where this person would be a better yep. match? And the key is to try and figure out how to do that up front 
before you put time and effort into hiring them and training them and onboarding them and so on and so forth. Because if you don't have a spot to move them to, it's bad for you and it's bad for them because now they've got an unsuccessful employment on their record when you finally do get rid of them and you've wasted all that time and effort on bringing somebody on a board who's not effective. You know, it'd be neither of you are happy. I don't know any you know, companies as smaller, maybe there's some large enterprises that are doing this. They're actually tracking that over time to look at, well, this person, did they stay for six months or six years? And are they doing kind of the root cause analysis, looking back over why they left and say, well, we hired them in at the top of where they could possibly go. Yep. So there are no opportunities. There was no growth. And ultimately they may have solved that short term need, but it was a short term thinking. Yeah. On the, 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 well, I mean, the last, last consulting firm that I worked for before I went independent, when I joined them, they were about 60 some of us. Um, when I left them, we were up above about 200, but they did that kind of analysis on a regular basis because that was in, you know, oh, 2010 to 2015 ish, somewhere in that, that ballpark. Um, and that's when we finally did the turnaround from the, from the financial crisis and jobs started opening up and retention started becoming a more important thing. And so it was kind of, we need to figure out why people leave when they leave so that we can retain them longer and actually develop programs and procedures to keep people in place because it's always better and cheaper to keep an employee than it is to go hire a new one. Yep. Well, that's a, uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting space just talking just about the recruiting side. Oh, yeah. I've had uh, long conversations with like Eric Riz, his company, Empty Cubicle. That's what they, they're going to solve that problem for organizations. It's a, um, you know, I, I was one of my first thoughts when Microsoft acquired LinkedIn was like, hey, are they going to go and address like in that, that area? you know, create more technology around it. They've, they've not done as much as I thought. They've done some cool things. Yeah, they um, haven't yet, but you never know. But it, it's opened up a lot of partner opportunities as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. well, what, what else do you have uh, what going on? What's, what's coming up next for you? So, um, coming up next, I'm going to be teaching that class that I talked about writing um, for a client sometime in the first quarter, we haven't settled on a specific date yet, but I'll be doing that on premises for a manufacturing firm. Um, I am gonna be doing two conferences this spring. Um, one of them is gonna be, the first one will be the North American Collaboration Summit in Branson, Missouri. And uh, that one comes up the beginning of April. And then uh, end of April, I think it's the end of April, I gotta look at my schedule. Um, end of April is uh, SharePoint Fest out in Washington, D.C. Oh, yeah. In there. I, yep. I pretty much hit each of the SharePoint Fests. That's my primary conference that I go to. It's a year. fun conference. It's, it's a good, good conference. Yeah. 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 And I usually do a workshop and, and three or four sessions uh, and then fill in as needed because every time somebody ends up, this last time we had one speaker who had a family emergency and couldn't come. So I picked up her two sessions. Uh, in addition to my own at the conference and, and enjoy helping out that way. So, yep. Well, Paul, it's uh, it, it, and people want to get in touch with you, learn more about you Where where can they find you? So the easiest way is um, go take a look at my website, which has my blog on it. Although I don't spend a whole lot of time writing out there like I should. Uh, it's at uh, don't panic, D O N T P A P A N I C.com. 
Um, or you can just go log into the Power Platform forums and take a look. You'll find me on there quite a lot. So awesome. Well, Paul, really appreciate your your time, and uh, we'll I'll see you at the summit next. See you at the summit next. Right. Yep. Look forward to it. Talk to you Thanks later. a lot.